but I'm really, really excited today to talk about the first I am statement, which is I am the bread of life. That's right. We're talking about carbs this morning, so I hope you ate your breakfast. Hope you ate your breakfast. John chapter 6, verse 25 says this. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we, what must we do to do the work God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then would you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven. It is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Oh man, that's, I just, could we just like say amen? Ready? I'm going to say it and then just say amen. I am the bread of life. Oh, come on. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives to me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will not drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who has sent me. And this is the will of him who has sent me that I shall lose none of all those he's given to me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. The title of this message is, If Jesus Had a Bio, Dash Bread of Life. Dash Bread of Life. Can we pray? God, thank you for these moments. We don't take them for granted. We ask that you'd speak to us now through your word. We love you. We're so grateful for what you're doing in our city. We're so grateful for what you're doing in our lives, the community that you're forming here at Way Church. We're so grateful we get to just be in your presence today. We love you. We pray that you'll be with the Titans today at noon. And everybody said, amen. amen. Any Titan fans in the room? It was a rough week one. It was a rough week one, but we're moving forward. Hey, uh, I'm convinced. I'm looking around the room and... Uh, First service is, is a younger service, and so uh, there, there's a lot of single people in the room right now. I'm just going to give you some uh, early marriage advice. The secret to a great marriage is food. The secret to a great marriage is food. Uh, any married guys in the room today can attest to this, but the best way to get brownie points in your marriage is to cook your wife a home-cooked meal that she didn't ask you to cook. I'm just telling you right now, just write this down, all the single guys in the room. If you need brownie points, get on YouTube University, look up how to make some chicken Alfredo, some chicken Marsala. I'm in an Italian mood right now. All right, some chicken Parmesan. Like, like look up how to make it, buy some nice white tablecloths and have your wife get home from work to the smell of pasta. I'm telling you, it is the way to a woman's heart. It, it will get you so many brownie points. It took me way too long 
in marriage to figure this out. But I remember one time I did this exact thing and, and Maddie came home and, and there was a meal on the table and, and I just was not prepared for how excited that would make her. I mean, she, she started trying to kiss me. Uh, I was like, girl, you want me to make brownies after this? You know, like what else do you want me to do? Uh, because, because food is the secret to a great marriage. But in the same way, I think food also starts more arguments in marriages than maybe any other thing. I'm going to start a restaurant in, in 2029 called I Don't Know. You already know where I'm, where I'm going. It's like, it's date night. It's like, where do you want to eat? Oh, I don't know. Or maybe I'll, I'll call the second one, I don't care. I don't care you pick will be the third one. You know what I'm saying? Because, because this is what happens every time there's a date night and it ends up being this whole thing and like an hour and a half later, we figure out what we're going to eat and it's just Chick-fil-A again or what, you know, it's just, we just go to the normals. And so food can cause arguments as well. Um, the biggest argument that comes from food in our house is when we'll go to a restaurant. And uh, this, this happened a couple times. Um, I, this happened a couple times, but we're, we're, getting, we're getting better. Uh, we'll go to a restaurant and uh, the, the waiter, waitress will come out and they'll say, uh, what would you like to eat? And it's time to order the food. And I'll say, oh, I'll take the burger and the fries. Give me two honey mustards. Um, like, like if you can make the, the burger medium, that would be great. Add bacon and pickles, be amazing. And then the waiter or waitress look at my wife and they'll be like, okay, what would you like to, to eat? And my wife will go, oh, I'm not very hungry. Just give me the salad. Okay. It's in that moment that I look across the table and I'm like, Maddie, I got the burger. It's for me. Are you sure that you want the rabbit food? And I said, no, I'm not hungry. I'm good. I'm fine. I'm like, babe, are you sure? You sure you don't want some chicken fingers on the side? You don't want an appetizer? No, 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 I'm not hungry. And then what happens? 20 minutes later, the food comes out and Maddie gets an elastic arm and she starts coming around the table. She starts trying to grab a French fry. I'm like, Mr. Miyagi, cha! You know what I mean? Like, not today. I remember this happened one time. She was like, what, are you in a relationship with that fry? <laughs> like, <laughs> so like, like food, like, like it, it gets us excited. It makes us happy, but it, but it also can cause arguments. When I go out to eat, I'm going out to eat and I'm trying to get full. Anybody else? Like I'm not trying to get home and still be hungry. I'm not trying to get home and be, be right in the pantry of Cheetos. Like when I go out to eat, I want to be full. I want to be full. In John chapter 6, we got a group of people that ate but didn't get full. They, they got bread, but they go right back for some more because it didn't fill them up. Uh, a little context to John chapter 6 is it's one of the most famous miracles in the Bible. In fact, it's the only miracle outside of the resurrection of Jesus that's in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's the feeding of the 5,000 which back in those days, they only counted men in the crowd. So they counted 5,000 men. There was probably 20,000 people there that day when you included the women and children. And Jesus, you probably are familiar with the story. If you're not, beginning of John chapter six, Jesus is teaching. A crowd of people shows up. They're hungry. Only one person remembered to pack their lunch. It was a little boy. He had fish sticks and Texas toast. And so Jesus is like, bring it to me. He breaks it. He multiplies it. And he feeds 20,000 people. And it's this incredible, incredible miracle. They eat at Cafe Jesus. And the next day, they realize Jesus is no longer here. And they're hungry again because they ate, but they didn't get full. 
And so they go, where did the Jesus guy go? He's the one who gave us the bread. I almost titled this message, Let's Get This Bread. And then I thought about titling it, Let's Collect This Baguette. Let's Try This Rye. Let's Power Grow This Sourdough. Let's Boast in This Texas Toast. I can keep going. They got hungry and they didn't get full. And what happens is they ran all the way to the other side of the lake. It would have taken them all night for them to do this. Jesus went in a boat with the disciples. But they go all the way. They run around the lake. They go to the other side. And they walk up to Jesus and they ask the question, where is the bread? They go up to Jesus and they say, how can we get more bread? When they should have been asking the question, who is the man that can multiply bread? They go up to Jesus and they say, where are we going to get the next loaf? When they should have been saying, can you please change my life? Jesus can see right through them. He can tell that they don't want him. They want what he can do for them. They don't want Jesus. They want his blessings. And one of the quickest ways to miss the beauty of Jesus in our life is to treat Jesus like a genie in the bottle. Hey, Jesus, I know it's been a minute, but I really need you to provide for my family again. Something's come up. I know we haven't talked since the last time I needed you to provide. But could you do it again? We need some more bread. Hey, Jesus, I know we haven't talked since last Sunday when I was at church, but I'm back here again, and, and I'd like to talk to you again because it's my Sunday appointment. Hey, Jesus, I know it's been a minute since, since we had time to hang out, but something's come up, and I really need you to show up. We read the story, and we're like, man, they're missing the point, but we miss the point all the time. We're just like these people. We're running from one side of the lake to the next side of the lake, missing the man who does the miracle in the middle. Another type of bread that I think we chase is church bread. It's actually possible to know more about church than it is to know Jesus. You can get in a habit of going to church, of going to a conference, of going to an event, of going to a Bible study, of listening to a podcast, of, of watching a YouTube sermon, and the entire time you're going from God hit to God hit, but you're never actually interacting with God for yourself. And so you know a lot about Jesus, you know a lot about the bread of Jesus, but you haven't actually eaten the bread of life for yourself. Hear me, those things are amazing. I hope you go to the worship event. I hope you go to the conference. I hope you go to the Bible study. I hope you show up at this church on Sunday mornings. I hope you do all of it. But what I'm saying is knowing about God is not the same as knowing God for yourself. Just make sure that you're going to all those things, but you're going to Jesus more. God is looking for a group of people to go, I'm not worried about the bread. I'm trying to get to know the baker. I'm not worried about miracles. I want to get to know the man. I'm not worried about chasing the move of God. I want to chase the God of the move because if I go with him, I won't miss a thing. One of the things that is so interesting to me about Jesus is he was born in Bethlehem, which is literally translated to house of bread. When you walk with the man who came from the house of bread, you'll never have to worry about bread again. When you walk with Jesus, you will never get hungry because what God can do is great, but who he is is greater. I wrote this down. If you're taking notes, when you eat bread, you'll never get full. But when you eat the bread of life, you'll never get hungry. When you eat bread, you'll, get, you'll never get full. But when you eat the bread of life, you'll never get hungry. Maddie and I, we, uh, we went to Mexico on our honeymoon, 
and uh, it was amazing. We had a great time. We did one of those all-inclusive places, and uh, it was it was incredible. But one of my favorite memories, and uh, if you if you know Maddie, this would be funny to you. Um, one of my favorite memories is we got to the uh, resort that we were staying at, and we walked in, and um, Maddie had all this stuff in a cart. And um, I, I said, hey, you hang out in the lobby. I'll go in and get our room keys, and um, then we'll go explore. And so I go in. I get us checked in. It took us like 10 minutes, and I come back out. And, and in the 10 minutes that I was in the lobby, um, one, I couldn't find Maddie. But in the 10 minutes that I was in the lobby, Maddie had gone outside. She was sitting in this beautiful white chair. She had changed clothes. She had on a hat with sunglasses. Somehow she had a Coke in her hand with a pink straw. And she's just like sitting there like she had been living in Mexico for her entire life. And I just looked at her and she just got this big like goofy grin on her face. And she took a sip of the Coke and she goes, this is the life. And what she was referring to in that moment was, was that like, the quality of life that she was experiencing was, was so great, right? Compared to being back in Cleveland, Tennessee, where we lived at the time, uh, being back with like, responsibilities and bills and a job and, and all those things, like for these seven days, we had none of that. And the quality of life was just going to be so much higher. In John chapter 6, Jesus uses the word life seven different times, and the life that he's referring to is a very similar type of life to the life that Maddie is referring to. He's talking about the quality of life. This is what verse 27 says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal, everybody say life, one, two, three, life, which the Son of Man will give you. Now, there are two Greek words. The Bible uh, was originally written in Greek, and there are two Greek words that are used for life. The first one is the word bios, which means physical life or existence. It's like how long you live for. And then the second Greek word is actually the word zoe, which doesn't refer to physical existence. It refers to quality of life. And in verse 27, when Jesus says that leads to eternal life, he's using the word zoe, talking about quality of life, meaning that he's not just implying that when you follow him, you get eternal existence, but you actually step into a greater quality of life. Maybe you're here and you're like, okay, I didn't know that you were a prosperity preacher. Are you saying that if I follow Jesus, I'm going to get Mexico, sun hats, sunglasses, and Cokes with little pink straws. No, I'm not, but I hope you get to experience that because it was incredible. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is that when you follow Jesus, you go from existing to living. Jesus wants you to go from existing to living. To go from just floating through, from job to job, from relationship to relationship, to, to, to raise to raise, to moment to moment, to, to just kind of floating through life where life is happening to you. He wants you to go from that type of life to living life with purpose, to living a life with fulfillment, to living a life where you're walking and talking and communing with the God of the universe. He wants you to go from existing to living. This is one of the biggest misconceptions about Jesus. So I think a lot of our world, and maybe even some Christians, they look at Jesus and they go, yeah, that's the guy that gives eternal bios, eternal existence. We see Jesus as this get into heaven free card. 
But Jesus did not just come for our eternal existence. That's part of it. When we accept Jesus into our heart, what actually happens is we get to spend eternity in heaven with Jesus. That is a part of it. But, but it's not just that. He actually came to affect not just where you spend eternity. He came to affect how you spend your Monday afternoon. He came to affect how, how you spend your Tuesday morning, how you spend your Wednesday morning. He came to affect every single part of your life. He didn't just come so that you would get into heaven. He came so that heaven would get into you. This is the beauty of a relationship with Jesus. Jesus was saying to them, I am the bread of life. And what he was saying is, I will fill you up. Where the other stuff won't, I will fill you up. Everybody gets hungry, but only some people get full. Do you want to get full today? He uses this metaphor of bread. And um, Jesus was so intentional about uh, what he said. You know, I, I think like as a pastor and someone who wants to get better at communicating, um, I really do believe Jesus was the, the best communicator of all time. And when you look at the word bread, even in and of itself, it was such a uh, brilliant metaphor to the Jewish people of this time because bread was a part of every single Jewish meal. Um, it wasn't just a part of every single meal. Uh, it was the biggest part of every single meal. In fact, I went to Israel a few years back and I was blown away by how many carbs those people eat and how skinny they are. I'm like, I do not understand how this is possible. I mean, every meal they would bring out like this big plate and literally three-fourths of the plate would be a piece of pita bread. And then there'd be like three little bites of lamb or fish. I'm like, man, if you guys came to America, you would not like the way we do our plates. You know, like I'm over there and I'm mad at them. They'd be mad at us. It was like all bread and vegetables and a little bit of protein. Over here, it's like all protein. I guess we do like our bread too, but it's a little different. It's got like honey on it and all, you know, all this stuff. Um, but but it, it, he was saying, I'm the bread of life. And what they would have known is, hey, bread is not just a part of the meal. It's the biggest portion of the meal. I think what Jesus immediately would have, have landed with those people is, is, hey, I'm the bread of life. I'm not just here to be a side dish. I'm here to be the main part of your life. So I'm the bread of life. But it wasn't just the portion size that he would, but would have been striking a chord with. He would have actually been striking a chord with their history. Because in the Old Testament, what happened is these people's ancestors, they're wandering around in the wilderness, there's no food. And so what Jesus, or rather what God does up in heaven, he starts dropping manna, which was heavenly bread. Think of like a chicken mini piece of bread. He's just dropping manna from heaven every single day for the Jewish people to just go outside and collect. They didn't have to work for it. They didn't have to do anything. They just went outside, got the bread, and they ate it. But God gave him one stipulation. He said, hey, there's going to be bread for you every morning. But if you take extra bread, if you take extra manna, I'm actually going to cause it to spoil because I want you to have to rely on me, to have to trust me, to have to, to, have to look to me. And so when Jesus referred to the bread of life, they immediately would have thought, oh, he's talking about being the main point, the main portion. But he's also talking about being my daily portion. He's also talking about me having to trust him every single day, me having to look to him every single day. Why? Because this is a daily walk with Jesus. This is a daily relationship with Jesus. This is a daily feast on the bread of life. This is a daily miracle that we get to do life with Jesus. Jesus was saying, it was a miracle in the Old Testament that I dropped bread, but it's a miracle today that I came down to be with you. 
It's a miracle today that I get to spend life with Jesus. You know what we should look at our, our relationship with Jesus like? We should look at it as a miracle. What happened in the Old Testament is these people got used to the bread and things started to go bad. If you read the story, we don't have time to read it all today, but they started getting used to the miracle of manna and they started asking for different stuff. They started taking it for granted. I wonder how many times we do the same thing with the miracle of the bread of life. God, could you just do something for me? Could you just give me a sign? Could you just show up over here? And I wonder how many times God is up in heaven going, man, I'm the point. I'm the reason. I'm the miracle myself. Could you just enjoy me? Could you just be with me? Could you just look at me as your portion and the main pour of the dish? This is what he was saying. I'm, I'm the bread of life and it's a miracle that you get to eat of me. So what does it look like to feast on the bread of life daily? I wrote this down. I think it's um, a good definition or, or a good point. Uh, maybe you will too. It's setting aside time to be with Jesus so that your affections will be stirred towards Jesus. What does it look like to feast on the bread of life? Setting aside time to be with Jesus so your affections will be stirred towards Jesus. That's it. Don't overcomplicate it. The whole point is a relationship with Jesus. You want to know why so many people here at Way Church read their Bible every day? To be with Jesus. It's not just because we just like all love to read. In fact, most people in this room who read their Bible daily probably don't even like to read. The point is not the reading. The point is not even to open up the Bible. The point is to commune with Jesus. That's the whole point of every spiritual habit that we have. You know why so many people here pray every day? Not because everyone just has a ton of time. Not, not because people are just trying to fill up their calendar because they have nothing else to do. No, it's so that we can fall more in love with Jesus. So our affections can be stirred towards Jesus. You want to know why so many people serve at Way Church? Because when we serve others, the Holy Spirit is actually active in that. It's actually something that we're getting to do with Jesus. And so as we serve others, we're looking more like Jesus and we're seeing, man, this is making me feel the way Jesus said it would make me feel. This is giving me the purpose and the eternal uh, bios and eternal zoe that he was talking about. And so I'm serving with Jesus because it's actually making me fall more in love with Jesus. It stirs our affections towards Jesus. We are feasting on the bread of life. We're feasting on the bread of life. It, it's this relationship with Jesus that we're walking through. You know what I've noticed about relationship? Is the moment you take relationship out of something, it feels like work. The moment relationship goes away, the thing you were doing starts to feel like work. When relationship isn't right, reading your Bible becomes work. When the relationship's not there, serving at church feels like work. When the relationship isn't right, giving your tithe and your offering feels painful. But when the relationship is right, it's like, of course I want to read my Bible. Why would I not? This is how I, I begin to talk with the God of the universe. Of course I want to pray because this is my favorite relationship that I have. Of course I want to serve because this is what God asked me to do. Of course I want to give because when I give, I actually submit the part of my heart that is not being submitted to the Lord and I can experience the Lord even more fully. Of course, because when the relationship is right, everything feels like pleasure. It feels like delight. It feels like walking instead of running. It feels like receiving instead of striving. This is the relationship God wants you to go from running from bread to bread to walking with the baker, 
to walking with the bread of life. Verse 37, Jesus closes our passage of scripture with an invitation. All those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I've come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall not lose any that he's given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes, everybody say believes, believes. shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Jesus is inviting us to eternal life. He's inviting these people to eternal life. What I love about this is he's looking at people who were trying to use him, and he still gives them this invitation. That's so encouraging to me as someone who has done this, probably will do this again. Those of us bread chasers, Jesus doesn't look at us and go, you chased the bread, it's done for you. He looks at us and he goes, I'm going to give you an invitation to have real bread, a better bread, a better way. How can Jesus even offer this? How, how, can, how can he, how does he have the power to offer us? This, this is my favorite part of this entire passage is, is this bread illustration. You know, Jesus, he uses bread to, to say, I'm your portion, I'll fill you up. But the other thing that bread does besides fill you up is bread breaks. And just months after this conversation takes place, Jesus, after living 33 years, sinless, without fault, without failure, as the bread of life, was going to walk to a cross and die for your sins and my sins. His body was physically going to be broken on behalf of sinful people like you and me so that sinners could receive salvation, so that sinners could receive the bread of life eternally. They could be made completely new. And so Jesus, he's, he's talking as the bread of life because he came to fill us, but he also is talking as the bread of life because he came to break for us came to die for us. What do you have to do to receive the eternal life that he's talking about? I, I grew up hearing people say, you don't have to do anything. That's not true. It's not true. It's actually super misleading. There is something you have to do. You have to believe. That's the prerequisite. These people in, in John chapter 6, they're like, what do we have to do? What's the work we have to do? And Jesus is like, you have to believe. And they're like, well, what's the sign? Like, like, can you please just tell us like what we have to do? And I feel like this is the same way we are. We're like, like God, like just tell me, like, like do I have to be this perfect? Do I have to be this great? Do I, do I have to follow you for this long? Do I have to prove for, for this much money or, or for this much serving you or, or this many hours dedicated to your service? And Jesus is like, nope. You just have to believe. You just have to believe it. And, and if you'll just believe it, you can feast on the bread of life for the rest of your life. I remember when this happened to me as the band comes. Um, I gave my life to Jesus in college. I was 21 years old and uh, shared a little bit of my story last week, so I won't do that again this week, but just was running from the Lord really hard and 21 years old, gave my life to Jesus through a YouTube video, uh, which is one of the reasons we record our messages and post them on YouTube. We don't stream, by the way, this is our policy. We don't stream because we don't want people from other cities uh, attending Way Church as like their local church. We want them to go to their own local church in their own city 
Um, but we also don't stream because we don't want you to attend Bedside Baptist and watch from home. We, we want you guys to come and, and to be here uh, with us. But we do believe in the power of media. And so we post these services on YouTube every week because we're hoping that they can be a supplement instead of the main part of someone's walk with Jesus. And uh, that's what happened. A pastor posted a YouTube video. I watched it, gave my life to Jesus in, in my uh, college dorm room. And uh, everything about my life started to change. And, and it started to change really quickly. Um, I went to Lee University to play basketball. And most of my friends were basketball players. And there was this pickup uh, game that I played in every Tuesday night from the time I was a freshman in college until uh, really till I was like 23 years old. I mean, it was like five or six years I played with these guys, pick up basketball. And almost none of them, in fact, if I had to guess, I would say none of them at the time were saved. Um, I'm not going to go into the evidence for that, but there were just things said and, and things that happened in these pickup games. I'm like, I don't think that these guys love Jesus. And um, I remember about a year after I had started following Jesus and things in my life had really started to shift. Uh, we finished playing basketball and I was in the parking lot, it's like 8.30, 9 o'clock at night. And one of my friends, he came up to me and he was like, hey man, you know what I've been noticing? And I was like, what you been noticing, bro? He's like, I've been noticing you're really optimistic lately. And I was like, oh, thank you, I think. He said, yeah, man, I've been noticing you're super optimistic. Like you just got this positivity that just came out of nowhere. And what he was noticing was the eternal Zoe that had gone into my heart, into my life, into my soul when I started feasting on the bread of life. This is what happens when we follow Jesus. The world looks at us and goes, man, look at that positivity. And we go, oh no, that's joy. People say, oh, oh, look at the risk that you're able to take. It's like, no, 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 that's, that's faith. Look at the energy that they have. No, 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 that's peace. The world tries to describe it with an adjective, but we describe him by name. His name is Jesus. What you see is not me. What you're hearing is not me. It is the person of Jesus living inside of me. Can you imagine a group of people living in Nashville, walking around, feasting on the bread of life, saying, I got bread that will fill you up. I got bread that will give you purpose. I got bread that will fill you where your hunger could not find satisfaction. This bread is the satisfaction for your soul. His name is Jesus. Where there was no way, there is one now through the person of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.21, He who knew no sin became sin so that I could become right with God. He broke himself in half so that I could be made whole. He is the bread of life. He is the savior of my soul. He is the goodness made manifest. I am only here by the grace of God. Come on, can you, if you believe that, can you praise God? Why don't you just stand up to your feet and just give him praise this morning? If you're grateful for, for where you are today, if you're thankful for where he brought you from, if you're thankful for what he saved you from, God, we are so grateful that you are the bread that we get to eat this morning. Bread that fills us and bread that satisfies us. If you're here this morning with every eye closed and you say, I would like to partake 
of the bread of life. I, I would like to, to have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've never had a relationship with Jesus before. If that's you, will you just raise your hand so I know who I'm praying with? I'd like to thank you so much. Thank you so much. Hands going up all over. Hands going up all over. I see four hands. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. This is what we're going to do. We're just going to pray a prayer together. Everyone in here is going to pray this with you just to encourage you. But I'm just going to tell you this. It's not, it's, not, it's not you saying this prayer that saves you. It's you believing this prayer that saves you. And so I'm going to help give you words to this prayer. But, but as you pray it, I'm just going to ask that you would pray it just believing and speaking to God for yourself. Come on. Can we all just say this together? Dear Jesus. Come on. Dear Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Forgive me of all my sin, the ones I remember and the ones that I don't. You can have it all. I want to follow you for the rest of my life. Thank you for your grace and your mercy that's so evident in my life. You can have the big stuff in my life. You can have the small stuff in my life. I just want to be with you in Jesus' name. Come on, in Jesus' name. Come on, can we praise God?